You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. I have had the privilege and the opportunity and the responsibility to speak a few times in my life. Um, Not a lot, but a few times. And I've had the opportunity to do it to groups that are are small and groups that are a little bit bigger and some groups that probably couldn't understand me because I don't speak their language, you know? Um, And perhaps, unfortunately, through the course of life, I've gotten a little too comfortable with that. And you can kind of just you can kind of just say, hey, you know, it's, I can just do this. And you kind of get on automatic, and you say, okay, I'm going to do this. And y'all have heard me say what? Yeah, three points in a prayer, and you got a sermon. Have you <laughs> y'all ever heard that? Yeah. I mean, and I've lived through it. So, you know, when I was signing up to do this, I even at the moment I said yes, I knew that the date was just really an awkward date for me to do this. And it just got more awkward as the days went on. And my preparation became more a preparation of me trying to say something so you'd think I was smart than it was me trying to say something that would speak to our hearts. And that was wrong, okay? But God, in his grace, convicted me of that. So you're just going to put up with some rambling nonsense today. No, you're not. I don't think it's nonsense. Um, And you're going to have to indulge a grandfather for just a minute, okay? Um, The title that I've given this is When God Writes Your Story, okay? And the reality is that we've all got a story. We've all got a story, you know? Um, And I was privileged a few weeks ago to stand up here and facilitate a time of Thanksgiving, and I said, okay, we're going to have to do it quick, one one or two sentences, Share something that you're thankful about. And it blessed my heart to stand here and see your faces as you shared. And your stories bless the hearts of others. Because that's what God does. He gives us a story. He writes a story in our lives. Now, yeah, there are parts of that story sometimes that we'd rather not be there. And there are parts of it that we'd rather not have to confess, you know. Not just little things like being a pride, prideful guy get, trying to get ready to speak so you'll think highly of him. But all sorts of stuff may be in our story that we'd rather not experience or we'd rather not confess. But God writes our story, you know. And it's a sweet thing. And it's meant to be shared. Last year at Angel Tree... Um, after the first session, I felt the Lord leading me to find my phone, okay? Because, you know, all of, we can't live without a phone, right? Where's your phone? Yeah, well, it's right here. Okay, it's also turned off, um, which is bad for you because that's where my clock is, and I don't have any idea what time it's going to be. And there's a beautiful, fancy dining room out there with lots of good food. But I didn't have my phone, and I just felt like, I needed to find my phone. And uh, so I went out the car, 
and I fetched it up. And I had received a call from Josh. That, and I, I've asked permission to use their names and tell the story, so I'm not, I'm not doing anything I didn't get permission to do. And um, he said, Claire's in labor, and I'm getting ready to head up there. Uh, that was at uh, just almost week 26 of the pregnancy. Not exactly the time that um, this should happen. Uh, we were in intercession uh, between two sessions of Angel Tree, and then we went into intercession for Claire and for Nolan because we gathered together and we prayed. But you know, the story of that evening didn't start at that evening. It started several months before that when for some reason that her father never could understand completely, although I never really told her, Claire decided to go to work in Joplin instead of Rogers. You know, she had a, she had a, a pretty cool thing going on in Rogers. She'd been there a while, and, and I'm of the old school that if you go do, if you do a job, you know, hey, I worked somewhere 30 years, you know. If it's not broke, why are you going to fix it? But, uh, you know, Claire felt the Lord's leadership to move to Joplin. And that particular night, Claire was at work. The reality is, in God's providence and grace, had Claire not been at work that night, um, both she and Nolan might very well have not survived that evening. So God wrote the story. God provided the way, and His mercy, He did that. And Nolan was born. And as a grandfather, I didn't get to stick around for the birth. I didn't even get to stick around in the room that long. And I got planted down at a waiting room at the end of the hallway. And all I could see was people would come out of the door of the room that she was in, and then they would sprint. They didn't want to sprint while they were in the room, but then they would sprint to go somewhere to do the next thing. I knew it wasn't good. So what can you do? You pray. You know, and many of you were praying, and God was writing the story of Nolan and Claire. And that was uh, the beginning of it. And for the next 100 days, God wrote the story of Nolan in the NICU. Through some challenges that I can't pronounce and won't try to pronounce, through things that uh, create very little life expectancy from earthly perspective, but God wrote the story. And challenge after challenge, God carried Nolan through. Okay? And praise be to him. Because you see, I I described it in those days as the story of Nolan, but really it's the story of God. And it's the story of his goodness. And it's the story of his grace and his mercy. And it's a story that needs to be shared. Just as your story and my stories are stories that need to be shared. Christmas Day, I knew something was up. What I didn't really know was that Claire and Josh thought that Nolan probably wasn't going to make it. Okay? Nolan made it. There were issues with this or that. You look at him today, and God has created a perfectly healthy baby who is doing what... Uh, babies do. And right now he's sleeping through church, so he's not hearing any of this. 
But God wanted me to share that with y'all because you see, it's, it's a testimony to the goodness of God. It's a part of his story. It's a, it's a testimony of the power of prayer. It's a testimony of just his goodness. It's part of Nolan's story. Now, not just the grandpa, but many others have said, wow, God must have a special purpose for that young man now. And yeah, I think he does. I think he does. And I think God's got a special purpose for all of us. For all of us. So, um, that's, that's the story of Noah. And that's kind of the beginning point of a year for me when I tend to look at things in stories this year. So Nolan got better a little bit and um, was still in the NICU. But by then, I felt the Lord's leadership to begin to work with some people. And I was in California, and I get this call. Um, he's, being, he's being transported to Springfield for emergency surgery. And it was scary, and I wasn't there, you know. A lot scarier than me not being there when we had a ceiling fall in our house this week. It's a lot scarier than that. That's no big deal, you know. But to have what was going on there was a big deal. But God sent peace. God sent peace. And he's fine. So today, when I began to think about, uh, okay, what am I going to share with everybody today? I mean, this is the day after Nolan's birthday. I'm going to be preoccupied. As you can tell, I finally just decided to be a grandpa for a minute and tell you, praise be to God, because after 100 days, and who knows how many dollars, and good insurance, uh, Nolan is healthy as can be. And we celebrated his one-year birthday last night. Praise the Lord. So as Nolan was getting better, I said, well, I guess it's time for me to go back to work. And uh, I agreed to go out and do some work with some people in California. California was not the place I wanted to go. (laughs) Okay? It was not high on my list. It was um, nothing that I sought. But as they called, I felt like the Lord saying, yeah, you need to go do this. So I decided I would just say, okay. And I went. I got to meet some people. And then I had one day, I had a question posed to me by one of them. And, and along the way, I can tell you later in a different setting, God changed some of my conceptions about some of the people I was working with in a wonderful way and, and uh, has given me the ability to love and to engage with some folks that uh, I'm, I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for. So there's this one guy. He's a British dude. And um, he can be a little crusty. He can be a little salty. And uh, I think the Lord's put us together. And uh, he looked at me one day. or Actually, he had, he had come to Bentonville. And we had a meeting. And after it, he, he poses this question. He says, Tony, Tony. Using only one word, finish this sentence. The Bible is a story of only one word. Now, this can be an interactive part. How would you answer that question? Anybody want to shout one out? Mercy, love, redemption, hope, salvation. Yeah, 
And many of those went through my mind, you know, and many of those would have been a correct answer, okay? That's, that's a correct answer in many cases. But the Lord led me to answer him rather quickly that the Bible, in my, on that day, and my answer to him was, the Bible is a story of redemption. He had an opinion as to what he thought it was, and that's probably one of the reasons the Lord led me to say redemption, because he kind of shook his head and the conversation moved on. I have thought about that often since then, and I thought about that as I began to prepare for today. So in my false start of preparation, I was at first going to take us through the genealogy of Christ. Have you had many riveting sermons on that? <laughs> what? <laughs> Not riveting. <laughs> Thank you, Linda. I got to think about it, and I may have mentioned it to Donna, and uh, yeah, I got less than an enthusiastic response there as well. Um, but yet, the genealogy of Christ is, in fact, very telling. And it is a testimony to the enormous detail in that story, you know, and to the enormous complexity and the intricate way that God weaves everything together. It's a real, it's a real cool part of the story. So I moved away from that, and then I just began to think, okay, what am, I, what am I really going to do? So then I began to look at the characters in the Christmas story. That's a good, solid, safe Christmas sermon, okay? Let's pick up one of them and let's say, okay, today we're going to study so-and-so. And I've probably done that a time or two. And you know what? It's rich. There's a lot to be found there. And the characters are really pretty cool. Now, I'm going to ask you to indulge me for a minute because in this particular case, I'm going to use some of those notes because I think it's, it's kind of, I, it spoke to me after the fact even. You see all these notes? Not all of them are notes. Um, rabbit for a minute. These are prayer requests. These are prayer requests. I think about 140 prayer requests from people who signed up for Angel Tree. 140 prayer requests. 140 prayer requests. Physical needs, spiritual needs, all sorts of things going on. Many of them who have said, yeah, we'd like to be contacted. We'd like to be prayed with. We'd like to carry on. What an intersection of our lives and our stories and their lives and their stories happened here yesterday. And thank you to everybody who was involved in that powerful, powerful time that we had yesterday to be able to share God's love. So, so not all of it was notes. Okay? And I'd ask you to clap for those who did this, but they didn't do it wanting the applause. They did it because they wanted to serve. So a lot of prayer requests. So I got to looking at the, at the characters, you know, and I thought, well, okay, let's think about this dude. Uh, well, actually, I didn't. I went ladies first. Let's think about Elizabeth. Y'all know her? 
I even wrote out notes, you know, because I've been spending so much time in Hollywood, it's kind of like a cast of characters here, you know, in a play. And it, it's, I said, Elizabeth, and here's a scripture passage, Luke 1, 24 through 25. I encourage you to look at it sometime, and if I'm wrong, you come see me, because I don't want to be wrong, and I, I, I simply want to share with you my perception of how Elizabeth might be described in this story, if you're reading the cast of characters. Elizabeth, an older lady, childless, prominent, and now she's going to bear a child. A special child with special instructions. So she lived her life without this for quite some time. Zechariah, Luke 1, verses 11 through 20. A priest, the husband of Elizabeth, shocked by what he had heard. Perhaps he had put God in a comfortable box. Perhaps he had kind of drawn a box around God and said, you can only work this far. One of the characters. Caesar Augustus. This is a, I don't see him in the nativity sets that are roaming around here, but yet I put him on the list. And here's why I put him on the list when I was writing this up. A man of a, well, this is Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 15, okay? A man of authority. He issued a decree for his purposes. He was working his plan. But really, it was all just a starting point for God. He was really just upon in God's hand, and a starting point for the thing. Mary, oh my goodness. Luke 1, 26 through 38. A young girl, a virgin, engaged to be married. Now she's with a child. She's afraid. Sure, she's afraid. Full of questions. And yet, she's willing to serve. That's Mary. That's what's going on in her life. Joseph. Matthew 1 is where you can find the good description of Joseph here. Verses 19 through 23. Now, Joseph was of the lineage. I see, I'm still getting that genealogy stuff in here. He was of the lineage of David. He was engaged to Mary. He was a just man. He was a good man. He was fearful now to take Mary as his wife. But he was unwilling to put her to shame. And the other thing I didn't put in my little cast of characters here, he's also listened to God's leadership. Because he was fearful to put her to shame, but he wasn't going to go through with the marriage in my opinion. Then you have the wise men. They come along a little bit later. I'm trying to see where they are. Anyway, you know the wise men, right? And um, the wise men. People of wealth and position. Yeah, they were wise. They were learned. And they created quite an uproar in Jerusalem when they went there. And eventually they were told by the chief priests and scribes where the baby was going to be born. Now, I mentioned earlier that I went to Jerusalem a few years ago. As, as a child growing up, I didn't really recognize how close Bethlehem was to Jerusalem. 
Okay, I just, I didn't get that. But, and even, even on the day they said, well, we're going to go over to Bethlehem and spend the day there today. Um, I thought, well, that would be a bus ride. It wasn't much of a bus ride. It was pretty quick. So it was right there. But, so they made it to Jerusalem, and the scribes and chief priests and scribes, religious leaders of the day, sent them on over to Bethlehem. And then, wait, did I skip the shepherds? I didn't mean to skip the shepherds, okay? These were, this is in Luke, this is the bulk of the Christmas story I love reading to the kids on Christmas Eve. But if you look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15, you can get something on the shepherds here. And what, the way I describe them is, they were working folks. They were doing their job. They were watching their flocks. They were told of a Savior. And something that jumped out at me when I was reading it this year, it, it said, when the angel said, he said, for unto you. And for some reason, God underlined that word in my heart this year, as he often does when we read the scriptures. That one just kind of jumped out at me. For unto you, personally, you, is born a Savior. They were seekers. They left their job. Now, I... Would that have gotten them fired? I don't know. I don't know, but they left their job. So I kind of wrote in here, they were seekers, and then they were proclaimers, because they told the good news after that. So these are the shepherds, you know? And then I put one more on here. Do you know who I left out? Jesus. Jesus. I did that as a head nod to Carolyn. She's here. Carolyn and, and her cousin, or her cousin Roxanne, used to hide, they used to collect baby Jesus from all of Donna's nativities at the house. And then they would hide baby Jesus somewhere. When asked about it, they just simply wanted to be close to Jesus. So, uh, anyway, baby Jesus. Let's not leave him out. In fact, let's make him the center part of what we're going to talk about today. The long-awaited one. He was sent from heaven to earth to redeem and to save. Amen. And he's still doing that. He's still doing that today. So, you know, I've already confessed being kind of a a stuck-in-my-ways, proud kind of dude who wants things his way and wants to look good, okay? So here's a trip to L.A. that i got to tell you about. I am, uh, I've, been going to, I've been going out there for a little while, and uh, I, really, I really don't like driving in Los Angeles. Any of you ever done much of that? I think it's 32 lanes of traffic both ways. I don't know. Only thing is, it's not really traffic. He doesn't move. But yet, for this guy who's addicted to being in control and in charge and all this stuff, I really was wanting to drive more than I was wanting to ride. But it's kind of expensive to drive out there, kind of expensive to rent a car, and somebody else was paying my bills, and they didn't want to pay that bill. So they said, you can take Uber. How many of y'all have ridden in an Uber? My response to that initially wasn't that great, you know? But 
I'm also, I can also be a bit of a tightwad in the business world, and I wasn't going to rent a car myself. So I said, sure, you pay for Uber, I'll take Uber. And uh, I'd done it a time or two. And, and yeah, it, it wasn't something I was really that excited about. But this particular day, the same trip, first trip after this happened, okay? First trip after this happened, I am a good hour away from the airport. And i got to get to the airport, and I can't get myself. So, you know, I trust myself to get me there on time more than I trust any driver, you know. That's because I'm prideful, I guess. And, uh, but I call this Uber, and then it dawned on me. That guy is stuck with me for an hour. Of course, I'm stuck with him for an hour. Um, and I began to wonder, what's the Lord going to do with this? What's the Lord going to do with this little appointment that has occurred? Because I really don't want to be here, but you know, I also don't want to waste his time or mine. So we began to go down the road, and um, I finally start to hear his story. Okay, Raised in a religious home, sent to a Jesuit school. Uh, an artist, um, a, really, a pretty personable guy, but yeah, you can see, you know, he's a few years younger than me now. You can see that some of the things that went on in his life probably weren't the story that he really wanted it to be. And uh, we come to find that he had lived in Las Vegas for a while. Um, he was now back at in L.A. He had a broken marriage. He had a son that he hadn't talked to in... 20 years or so. And uh, and God just put it on him, not Tony. God put it on this man to begin to share his story with me. And I listened. And I, the more I listened, the more I realized that this was a divine appointment. This was an intersection that God had planned. And I wanted to ignore it. I wanted to sit back there quietly and do something else, honestly but I couldn't. So I listened to this guy. And I listened to his disappointment with God. I mean, I got to tell you, he didn't know me. He had no preconceptions. He just went off about how he unfairly he had been treated and how he didn't think God loved him. And, and also, he probably, even if there was a God, I think that's the way he said it, even if there is a God, I've messed up so bad. Why... Why would he want to have anything to do with me? And I listened, and I listened, and I listened. And the Holy Spirit kept me from arguing for one minute with him. And we got closer and closer to the airport. And I said, Brian. His name was Brian. They give you, hey, they give you their names, you know, and they give you their ratings, and they give you all sorts of stuff on the drivers, none of which I'd read. But uh, he told me his name. I said, Brian. I said, would you like to have a relationship with your son? He said, oh man, I would do anything. I'd do anything to have a relationship with my son. I just would like to hear from him again. And there it was. God, God served it up. I said, Brian, God loves you. God created you, and God did everything 
to restore a relationship with you. That's why he sent his son. That, folks, is the offer of redemption. That is the offer of taking that which was all messed up, all messed up, and redeeming it and making something beautiful of it again. Now, Brian was driving, and now Brian was crying. And we continued our conversation with me just trying to help him understand that God loved him, that God pursues him, and that God wants a relationship with him. I've never hugged a male Uber driver before. Um, but I got out of that car at LAX and he got out of the car which they don't always do and we hugged and he had the opportunity that day to restore his relationship with Christ and to experience redemption which is why Christ came to redeem that which is lost redeem those who are separated from him. So that's one of the stories of this year for me, you know? And uh, I'm just grateful that God let me play a little role in that, just have a little bit of an intersection with this gentleman's life. I'll tell you one other one real quick, and then we're actually going to look at a scripture, okay? We're actually going to look at a scripture, and I'm going to do everything I can not to share three points, okay? But we're going to look at a scripture. Um, I'll share one other one with you because it's another one of those intersections that God does for us. And I think it's a reminder to me, it's a reminder to me of the fact that God has a divine plan. And sometimes that plan is one where we can speak an introduction to someone else. And sometimes it's just a thing that God does to remind you that he's in control. You know, he's got a purpose beyond, beyond our own. So another trip to L.A., Another beautiful hotel room out by LAX, which, by the way, are really noisy and not all that nice, but that's where they like to put me up. Uh, Hilton, LAX, 11th floor. I've been out there. I didn't even want to go that week. I was, my rebellion had moved beyond Uber cars at this point to not even wanting to be there at all. And um, to uh, experiencing the Uber ride back to the hotel that day with some guy who was trying to sell me a second mortgage. See, not all the Uber rides are like the one I just described. And um, so it was just kind of, it was was one of those moments that perhaps it's only me, but I don't think so, when we all just kind of look and we say, what in the world is going on here? Why am I doing this? Does this really matter? Is it, what's God doing, you know? And I don't know about you, but the answer doesn't always come. Certainly doesn't come immediately. Sometimes it doesn't come at all. But then sometimes you get to see a glimpse of it. I like Diet Dr. Pepper. In fact, I like Diet Dr. Pepper so much that Matt has Diet Dr. Pepper in the refrigerator in his office. Because he's a nice guy and he did that for me. Um, And I used one of them yesterday. But I like Diet Dr. Pepper. In the Hilton LAX, if you want a Diet Dr. Pepper... If you can find it, you're going to pay six bucks for it. That's not, I mean, that makes a convenience store price seem good, right? Now, in the spirit of just confessing all of my faults 
here as well. I cannot share this story truthfully without sharing another one of my mis misguided activities. This particular day when I couldn't figure out why I was there was the same day that they were going to have the multi-mega million dollar whatever thing that was that night. Remember when they were going to give away $2 billion or something? And I thought, I think I bought one lottery ticket in my life. I'm not preaching against it. I'm, I'm not preaching for it either. But I just thought, why not? You know, maybe that's why I'm here. I don't know. I can't figure out why I'm here. So <laughs> that was a good excuse. And, uh, and I kind of wrestle with that, you know? And uh, I start to go, and then I don't go. And then I start to go, and I don't go. And then finally I said, I'm going, you know? So I get up out of the room, take the elevator down 11 floors, convenience store four blocks away. Okay, I'm going there. I'm going to get me a Dr. Pepper and a lottery ticket. So I'm walking these four blocks down the road. I look over to my right, and there's a very young very athletic man walking very fast toward me down a side street. And I think, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm old. He's faster than I am, so I can't outrun him. I don't think I can whoop him in a fight. Uh, I'm going to die. I should never have gone to get that lottery ticket. And... Uh, <laughs> um, so, um, he's got something written on his shirt, okay? <laughs> and I, so finally, I'm trying to read what his shirt says. And, you know, is it, is it going to say, I'm going to kill you, or is it going to say something else? I don't know. So finally, I read his shirt, and it says, Music Loving Do Gooder. Okay. That feels a little safer now. Uh, but he's still walking fast. And we meet right at this intersection. Well, I'm really brave by now. I said, how you doing? He says, he said, kind of grunts a little bit. I said, I like your shirt. And he says, friend gave it to me. Friend gave it to me. I said, well, <laughs> y'all should have heard Connie say, oops. <laughs> yeah, and I might have thought, yeah, you stole it off of somebody. But anyway, um, and that's it. He goes his way, I go my way. I go down, I get my Diet Dr. Pepper, I get my lottery ticket. I, even with that threat of death, I didn't repent. And uh, I buy the lottery ticket, and I go, back to the, uh, I go back to my hotel. The Dr. Pepper was really good. I had really been wanting one. But it wasn't enough for dinner. It wasn't enough for dinner. And uh, it became dinner time. So I walk out of room 1119 at the Hilton, headed for the elevator. Walking out of room 1117 at the exact same time, guess who? Music loving do-gooder. <laughs> I look at him, and he looks at me, and we both realize something weird is going on here, you know? But it really wasn't weird at all. It was God. And it was that appointment that God had set. And um, we, we speak to each other. How you doing? What brings you to L.A.? I wanted to know, you know, if he was collecting shirts or what. Uh, <laughs> what brings you to L.A.? Well, yeah, I came to L.A. to buy an airplane. Ooh, okay. 
I didn't come to LA to buy an airplane. You should be scared of me. Uh, and uh, we talk, and we get on the elevator, and gosh, talking to people on the elevator is really hard for me, you know? But we talk in the elevator, and we realize by the time we get to the bottom floor that this was not an accident. God did this. And I think I told him, I, said, I think I'm the one who said it. I said, I said, dude, I didn't know his name then. Dude, Matt's taught me that word, dude. Uh, I said, dude, uh, this is not an accident. Uh, there's something more going on here. We, what do you, you know, besides buying airplanes, what do you do? And he got to talking to me, and he asked me what I did. And I said, you going to eat? And he said, yeah. I said, well, so am I. Let's just go eat together. Two and a half hours later, um, music-loving do-gooder, his name is Brandon Rawls, by the way, and I finished <clears throat> what was one of the more remarkable evenings in my life uh, as far as visiting with somebody else. And we were just talking about life. And we were talking about what he had going on, talking about his dad, talking about relationships with his dad. And then I, I finally said, well, what about the music? I mean, because I, I found out it was, in fact, his shirt. Um, what about the music? He said, oh, he said, oh I used to play drums in, the, in my church, but... I just kind of had a falling out with people there, and I'm not going anywhere. And I just said, okay, Brandon, that's why we're together tonight, because I feel the Lord, I feel the Lord wants you to hear that he loves you and that he wants you to get back into the relationship with him that, um, that you once had. So in the best restaurant in the bottom floor of the Hilton LAX, Brandon begins to cheer up as well, as do I. Because God had written our stories together for that one brief evening. God had, through the intricacies of his design and his plan, he had allowed our lives to intersect and allowed me to be an encouragement to someone. See, God is writing our stories. Okay? God is writing our stories. The stories that were written, the people in the Christmas story, the groups of people in the Christmas story, none of them wrote that. None of them really chose that. It was a tremendous interruption in their status quo. Okay? And... That's what God's put on my heart as I've looked at these scriptures throughout this this Christmas season. One, I can't ever start without saying this. God loves us. God pursues us. He wants that relationship with us. Zechariah, and I'm not going to read that scripture, but y'all can pull up the one in Philippians here when I finish this thought, okay? Okay. Zechariah, remember the priest who, who was told about this and then he lost his voice and, and he couldn't speak because it was just like, man, he had God in this box and he expected it to all work this way. And when it got bigger or better or different, he couldn't handle it. And he said, how can this, you know, he doubted. So then he couldn't speak until he said something very, very significant because when he spoke, he recognized Jesus as the Redeemer. God has been faithful, and he has redeemed 
that which was lost. Redeemed that which was lost. That's where peace comes from. Because there is no peace without that right relationship with Christ. There is none. And that's the part of the story. So the Christmas story characters, and then we'll move to Philippians, and then I probably will finish and we'll go eat. I may not finish. I may have more stories to tell. I don't know. Um, the, the Christmas stories characters that I went through a while ago, one, they didn't sign up for it. They didn't audition for it. They're all busy doing something else. Their lives were really turned upside down. Really turned upside down by this. You know what God does to us sometimes? We don't get to audition. Sometimes we don't get to sign up. Sometimes our lives get turned upside down. And always he is faithful. And always he writes the story. We're not that different from the folks in the Christmas story. We can look at them and we can find ourselves in a character. I don't have to... You can find yourself in a character. I'm not going to tell you which character you are. I don't know. But we're there. We're there. And that's the way God works. I memorized a passage of Scripture in the King James Version of the Bible years ago. I've asked that it be put up on the screen. And it is now on the screen. And it's on the screen in the back, too. Which tells me I haven't talked as long as I thought, because that usually quits working halfway through. Just joking, y'all. Just joking. (laughs) You should have seen the look I got from Donna. Um, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. A few quick points from this passage of Scripture. First of all, do you see the way it starts? you want to go back to five for me? Let this mind be in you. That's pretty direct, isn't it? If Gary Duke tells me to let this mind be in you, then I'm going to think, wow, Gary really believes that. I need to do this, you know. Let this mind be in you. Do this. Do this thing. Do this thing. So what thing am I supposed to do? I I see a few things in this passage of Scripture. You go down to 6, and what do you see first? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Well, you see Jesus in the form of God. That's a lot cooler position than any of us have going on right now. Okay? Any of you got, got something that good going on? No. No. But Jesus did. And what did he do with it? Verse 7. Made himself with no reputation and took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Born in a manger in Bethlehem as a human, tempted in every way that we're tempted, born for a divine purpose, to be the Redeemer, the one prophesied, the way for us to reconcile ourselves to Christ. 
to God. Was that an interruption in what he had going on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? Um, if he can do that, well, then can I kind of someday get okay with riding in a car with a stranger instead of driving myself? Or someday be okay with uh, spending my Saturday afternoon visiting with people, handing out gifts? Or talking to the person sitting in the airplane next to me instead of doing something else that I was wanting to do. Yeah, I should be okay with being interrupted too. If God, if Jesus Christ himself suffered that kind of interruption to accomplish his purpose, why would it be strange that when God calls us to do something, it's an interruption in our life? Shouldn't be. So, folks, you're going to get interrupted. Okay. What else did he do when he came? He took, a, was made, took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He interacted with us. He engaged with us. He loved us. Should we not do the same with others? We're told to let this mind be in us, which was in Christ Jesus. So, so far, it's really not that easy of a task that I've been asked to do here. I've got to humble myself, and I've got to engage with people. That's really kind of inconvenient and messy sometimes. And then the other thing in verse 8, we'll go ahead and look at verse 8 again. The other thing, that being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Where is Jesus now? Speak up, yeah. He's in heaven. In our hearts, yeah. These are all good answers, yeah. Is he where? Right hand of the Father, yeah. What's he doing there? Interceding. I think that means praying. I think it means um, pleading our case. I think it means standing up for us. So, if I were going to have preached a sermon out of this passage of Scripture, I would probably have done this. I probably would have said, there's an interruption, there's an interaction, and then there's an intercession. Baptist preachers would like that. That would preach, you know? Problem is, I can't write a poem to go with it, so I, I'm not going to try to do that. So as I thought about this year, as I thought about uh, you know what to share and how to do it, I just um, that's what's on my mind. That's the ramblings from 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 somebody that is so grateful, so grateful that uh, of what God did. In my life.